Welcome to the Logics Academy podcast. My name is Brian Ouellette, and I am excited to bring stories from educators to educators from around the world. Don't forget to follow Logics Academy on social media at Logics Academy and check out our website for new and upcoming information, logicsacademy.com. Do you have learners that are looking to stay engaged in STEM, robotics, and coding throughout the summer? Well, Logics Academy has you covered. Check out our virtual Genius Lab programs at logicsacademy.com forward slash virtual GL. Let Logics Academy help you teach your students the fundamentals of Python coding using our free resources. Check it out at logicsacademy.com forward slash curriculum. We want to take this moment to thank Mike Washburn for his amazing two years as the host of the Logics Academy podcast. We wish him amazing success in his new endeavors and we are looking to keep the momentum of the podcast going. And now it's time for my conversation with the amazing Ben Kelly. Everybody, welcome back to the Logics Academy podcast. For all of our listeners out there, we are now on YouTube. If you are interested in watching our conversation, head over to the Logics Academy YouTube channel and subscribe. I am super excited about today's episode because we are talking about an amazing opportunity for all learners called the Canadian Minecraft Challenge Future Frontiers. And who better to dive into the what and how than Minecraft mentor and educator, Ben Kelly. Ben, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Oh, it's great to be here. So Ben, before we dive into that Minecraft challenge, let's tell our listeners and our viewers just a little bit about who you are and your background in education. Sure. Uh, I am, again, a a global Minecraft mentor, um, helping to support the game's use in classrooms. Uh, I am a creative type of personality. Uh, I found myself getting into STEM education from grade 6 to 12 uh, almost a decade ago, if not longer than a decade ago. And I've stuck around. Uh, I love it. I can't see myself ever leaving the classroom. Yeah, that's super exciting. And if no, if someone out there is not following uh, Ben on Twitter or social media, <laughs> you should follow him because there are amazing things happening. And I'm so excited to dive into, while well, the future frontiers, but even deeper into Minecraft edu- Education Edition, because some of our listeners may not know what that is. So before we dive into the future frontiers, what give us a brief synopsis of what is minecraft the education edition minecraft is an open-ended game it's an infinite game where you can explore open space for as far as you can go it's a blocky game so everything's a block and basically it consists of you breaking blocks and you placing blocks but these blocks can come in many many forms you can have blocks that are fence posts you can have actual square blocks of gold and diamond and emerald and just wood normal wood and actually really lame stuff as well Um, It started out as a Swedish game. It's a Swedish invention, and it comes with all that Swedish sort of weirdness and flair. And uh, the world has really, it's become the world's game. So it started in Sweden, and now I can honestly say it's the world's game. It's a culture. It's not just a game, it's a culture, and I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. And I can tell you that people all the way from, you know, 70 years old down to four-year-olds play this game on a regular basis. Yeah, and, and you said a few words there. Culture is one of the big ones, which is where we get into this kind of Canadian Minecraft challenge is it this culture and and i've played minecraft and you know i've what you said you know it's kind of this block game and you break blocks and you build stuff but when you can see the amazing creations that come out of schools out of students adults 
It's, it blows <laughs> your mind. It's more than just blocks. It's an empty canvas for people to build. Right. It's really neat because Lego was our generation's version of this. But if you build something magnificent in your basement out of Lego, it was very, very troublesome to ship it to school to show people. Um, in fact, you did not want to do that because you knew what was going to happen if you tried to move the Lego around. But this is like a digital Lego, so you can make the most wonderful masterpieces in the world, basically building something out of nothing. And then with the click of a button, share that around the world, invite 29 friends in to play with you, uh, or more, uh, in the case of the real game. And uh, it's really this generation's Lego, and, and I can't even imagine what, will, what it will um, cause next. Like, if Lego caused this... What is Minecraft going to inspire in the future that will be too old to play, possibly, uh, Brian, but maybe the next generation can enjoy? Yeah, and you mentioned Legos, and I had flashbacks of my youth of like <laughs> building these amazing Lego creations and then having to tear it apart because it was like filling up a room or whatever it was. But the beauty of Minecraft, the digital world, is you don't have to tear it apart. You keep building, right? And you improve and you improvise, whatever it might be. And that's exactly what the Future Frontiers kind of challenge is about. So let's talk a little bit about what that is. So if our listeners and our viewers have never heard of the Canadian Minecraft Challenge, what is that and what is the goal? Well, I'm, I'm super lucky that Logics Academy reached out to me to be involved in this. We all know that storytelling is still possibly the hottest topic in education. So the whole challenge, this whole Canadian Minecraft Challenge cent centers around storytelling. Um, I'm also lucky because for years and years and years, my wife would yell at me saying, are you getting paid for doing all that Minecraft work? I'd sit there for six or seven hours on a Sunday night, clicking and breaking and making and creating. And it was sort of my therapy. <laughs> and now I can actually look at her honestly and say, yes, I am being compensated for this time. So I've come a long way in that regard. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still loving the creative aspect. But the, the storytelling aspect of this, uh, last year's challenge, we did storytelling, Canadian storytelling. So students had to tell almost a historical tale. Like uh, I know my own little guy entered a uh, the story of the Blue Nose and how it sank off the coast of Haiti and what it was carrying. So you can imagine he found a shipwreck and put some barrels in the water and things like that. And it was really a look back at Canadian history. So when we got together as a team this year, they said, okay, what are we going to do for this challenge, for this year's challenge? And at first it was sort of rehashing the old storytelling and what could we do around the past, the past. And then the, the idea was thrown out, well, let's look ahead. Let's see where we're going. And when you do that, um, there's no hotter topic than space. Um, but then again, we didn't want to isolate. So you'll see that in this challenge, there's a little bit more than just space. And it's amazing. And you talk about the storytelling and last year's challenge had some amazing entries about storytelling and, and really reliving heritage and be able to share that with the world. Um, by digitizing it through Minecraft. And this year, Future Frontiers, when you say looking ahead, how amazing are these? Because you guys, the goal here, the challenge was for people to submit what it would look like to live on Mars, on the moon, spaces like that where they could create their own kind of living quarters. Is that correct? Right. Like, again, going to last year's, looking back, you had a little bit of pride creeping in, but a lot of those stories were like tragic. There was like mine disasters in Spring Hill and, you know, our history is littered with tragic stories and they seem to be the most <laughs> compelling to tell. So what I loved about this one is it's looking forward and it's very hopeful. It's about human uh, human futures in uh, 2049, the year is 2049, and uh, the students were given six suggested areas to sort of demonstrate what life would look like, human life would look like in those areas. So you've got Mars, you've got the moon, but then we wanted to say on Earth, where have we not traveled to yet? Where, where have we not sort of developed? And so we have the Arctic, uh, we've got underground living in mountains. 
we've got a, a coastal climb area, almost like North Carolina, you know, where the ocean's rising and you have to consider building for the future because that sea level is going to continue to rise. And, uh, and then basically like the kids could look at earth or they could look at space and decide where they wanted to build for the future. So it's, it's been exciting. Uh, the underground mountain one was the most popular one in my class. So that was really weird to me. Like if you had a chance to go to Mars and the moon, I thought that the kids would pick that, but they love the idea of living in mountains, which may speak to the game itself, Minecraft. So that might be what they're used to doing, going underground. Right, the kind of the traditional, like this is what we're used to doing in Minecraft is digging, digging even deeper, finding diamonds and gold and whatever else. And and how amazing to use Minecraft to both relive our history, but then to look forward, use it as a blueprint for what could be. And for our listeners out there and our viewers who maybe have, have thought Minecraft doesn't belong in education, I would urge you to rethink that and, and look at this game as, as a tool for learning for students to be able to express themselves through their creativity and their engineering. So if, if there are listeners, I keep saying it, if there are listeners out there and they're wondering, well, what does that look like? I'm building what on Mars or I'm building what on the moon um, or, or even the past events that occurred. I want to go see some of those storytelling opportunities. Where do those live? Where can people go see uh, past um, challenge kind of submissions? They have a website, logicsacademy.com uh, slash CMC. They shortened uh like Minecraft, I think it was something Challenge Minecraft Creator or MC. Yeah, anyway, it's one of the C, I think it's CMC for some reason. Um, but that's where they're storing all of the old experiences. And they really are worth going to look at, even if you didn't take part in the contest. Because, I mean, we're talking critical thinking and creativity smashed into one awesome experience. So if it meets your curriculum whatsoever, I mean, language arts, social studies, uh, science, obviously, math. If you can find a way to cram either the space as aspect into your your curriculum or if you can find a way to get the storytelling and the history part of things into your curriculum we have two wonderful experiences there now from the last two years the scary part is brian looking ahead uh, as we try to make this an annual thing we've already looked back we've already looked ahead what's year three going to look like so i'm sure <laughs> logics academy is open to any suggestions in that area because you can imagine these meetings take forever to figure out where the, where we're going and if we can shave some time off there that would be wonderful yeah, absolutely. And an amazing opportunity for educators to really dive into the use of Minecraft through storytelling, whether it be the past and the future, as you've been saying. And everyone should go check it out. So this episode will air. The deadline will already have passed for this year's Future Frontiers Challenge. Um, but so what happens next? So people who have submitted to the challenge. And I think this year I heard on the rounds of a couple hundred submissions have come across you know, for the future frontiers, kind of what happens next? Is it the opportunity of judges? Do judges look at it or does it kind of go through this just presentation to the public? So the good news is um, we have experienced great growth. I think last year there was a total of under 50 entries um, and that's being generous to say 50. Um, this year I've heard hundreds and hundreds of entries were put in by deadline. Wow. And you can imagine for every for every entry that actually gets put in, um, you have entries that just don't get there for some reason or another. They just don't make the deadline. So, I mean, I'm really happy with the numbers I've heard. Um, right now they're in the judging period. So uh, external judges are brought in to review using a rubric that's provided. And it really is like almost like school teacher marking like, uh, you know, assessments or provincial assessments or something like that. So they come in, they probably narrow it down. Uh, I'm not allowed to be a process uh, in that process because I'm sort of involved um, both in the creation but also in encouraging right. my students to to submit so 
Um, it's really interesting. Uh, we're all waiting for June 15th, I believe, is the circle date where they will share um, first, second, and third. Uh, they even went as far as getting trophies and medals this year. So it wow. really is like we're trying to we're trying to embrace that eSport aspect where, you know, if it was a basketball tournament, there would be trophies and medals. Well, this was a national Minecraft tournament or challenge. Awesome. So we feel that there should be, you know, some medals and trophies involved to go along with the cool tech. That's uh, what a what a great way to kind of reward the the hard work and dedication of students who put in these kind of submissions. And it's you just said it, it's esports, right? Some people will say, "Oh, you're just playing games. Stop playing those games." But there's there's this idea behind it that it's not just a game. Not only am I learning, not only am I presenting information to you through my creative ability, but it is a sport. It's an esport. I have to learn both the keystrokes, the tools, how things work, what goes where, how do I build a block or how do I fabricate something to make it look such a way. So that's very awesome to hear, you know, all of that work that's going into it because it's not just submit this. That's the end of the road. Kudos. Thank you very much. You know, there's this sense of pride too, to say, you know, you were, you won first, second or third, and there are prizes that go along with it. So, so that is absolutely amazing. And so we've talked about future frontiers. We talked about where people can go find it. Logicsacademy.com slash future frontiers. You know, and, and the last year's challenge is there as well. What about Minecraft itself? What if someone is looking to get started in Minecraft? Are there kind of, you know, it is kind of this open world concept, but are, are there kind of lessons that they can find somewhere? And I know you've created a lot yourself. So how would someone get started? If I was starting out and I heard about Minecraft, the first place I would head is to education.minecraft.net. I'm not sure why they couldn't afford the .com, but again, maybe that was just when they started up. But education.minecraft.net, and it just has like it has like 700 lessons created by teachers that you can look wow. over. You can download the world files that they created. But what I love about it is just get into the game Minecraft. Get a copy of Minecraft Education Edition because they have a built-in game library now where you can actually play like learn to play levels. So instead of thinking about how to play Minecraft and instead of asking about how to play it, you can actually be taught by these little characters in the game how to break blocks, how to place blocks, how to jump, how to fly. And after after like two or three little experiences that last maybe 15 minutes, you're just as good as the kid. Well, maybe not as good as the kids, but <laughs> in your head, you'll think you're just as good as the kids um, and then they'll correct you later. Um, but that is a great way to start by actually playing the game, breaking blocks, and uh, take that shot. If there's a PD session, go to it. Say, hey, I'm interested in that, and beg. Beg your administrators and, and get in there and learn. And that's a great word of advice, right? There's no way, better way to understand something than to dive in yourself because too often we sit there and go, oh, that's not for me, or I don't know what it is. Or we sit in on a professional learning opportunity and, and see it, but never actually get to live it. So great words of wisdom. Go live it. Go try it. Uh, Minecraft for Education Edition is, is free. So you can log in, utilize the tool, and, and, and go through those tutorials and dive in to what that looks like. All right, Ben. So we are at a point in the show um, that I like to call our tips from teachers. So my question to you is what are your top three tips for teachers who are getting started with EdTech in their classroom. All right, the first tip is very easy. It changed my life entirely, and that is uh, join Twitter and follow people on Twitter and companies on Twitter that are in the EdTech space. So before anything else I could ever suggest in my life to anybody, it's get on Twitter, start following, start sharing, start talking, uh, because you're. it's the best professional development available to a teacher in our generation. So get on there and use it. 
The second one along the line is still not tech involved. It's join one of those communities. Join Microsoft. Join Logics Academy. Join Apple. Um, join Google. Get into one of the EdTech communities where you're surrounded by people who just love to help. They love to be involved. And they were you once. They were starting out once and they found these communities and these communities embraced them fully. And I don't think I've, I can look back on my career and uh, regret one community that I've joined because they've all been just the most welcoming. The only tip I can give you is don't join too many because it's really, really hard to give 100% to all of them. Um, so again, join join something, but not too many. Pick, pick and choose when you're starting. The last thing, uh, it really comes down to getting into the technology. I mean, PD sessions are great, but unless you go home with a little robot from Logics Academy on a Friday night and try to get it to walk across your room or try to get that drone to fly from your kitchen table without breaking a window or a lamp, uh, unless you do that, uh, I mean, I don't think you'll ever reach that that true comfort comfort level that you really want to reach. So my third tip would be, again, it's professional development, professional development, but it's on your terms. Bring those little tech things home, carve out an hour after school in your classroom, shut the door and pull down the blinds and and really just play, play. Because it is, a lot of these things are games and they are play type things. So play with them and then start asking questions at the end. How can I use this? How can this fit into my programming? So that would be, I guess, my three tips. They're not very techy, um, but they are very PD oriented. And I think that's the best way to go. And those are some amazing tips right there because you're so right. Joining professional learning communities outside of your own building, help you kind of gain that confidence and see that there are like-minded teachers around the world, just like yourself. And, and your tip of going to play, I think is huge because we often forget that we are kids ourselves and we put on this hat of, we're just looking at curriculum or we need to look at instruction. Whereas if we, we are go play with the drone, go play with a small robot, do some, go play Minecraft. And soon enough, you'll realize that you can embrace the learning that happens in your own self and then we can somehow get the students to then utilize that same tool or another tool and learn themselves so ben i appreciate you joining me on the podcast sharing all of your knowledge about minecraft and your experience and expertise with the canadian minecraft challenge future frontiers i appreciate all of the words of wisdom and i encourage our listeners and our viewers to follow ben on social media Follow Logics Academy on social media as well at Logics Academy. And don't forget to check out the website for more information on the Future Frontiers program, but also to check out the winners when they're announced later in June. That's logicsacademy.com forward slash Future Frontiers. Once again, Ben, I thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and sharing all this information with our teachers. My name is Brian Ouellette, and don't forget, together we can inspire innovation across the nation. Oh,